Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everyone? Brett here, bringing you another episode of the Rad Dad Show, the parenting podcast where we ask inspiring dads the question, what does it mean to be a rad dad? On this episode, we're joined by John Angus McDonald, founding member and lead guitarist for Canadian rock legends, The Trues, who are just about to head out on their I Want to Play tour in support of their latest record, Wanderer, which came out in November 2021. The tour kicks off on May 24th, and they're coming through Edmonton to play Midway on May 30th. In advance of their stop in Rad Dad's territory, John Angus dialed into the Rad Dad show to chat about the new album, the upcoming tour, and of course, balancing rock and roll with life as a father of two boys. We cover a lot in this chat, including John Angus's theory about the screen time hangover effect, adjusting to sleeplessness as a new parent, the silver linings of quarantine, and how your kids mimic what you do, not what you say. And one of the coolest things we discuss is how John Angus and his eight-year-old son Elliot have started writing music together, and how one of Elliot's ideas actually became a single on the new record. It's called Enemy, and Enemy is made even more special by the fact that it marks John Angus's first time doing lead vocals for the band. I'm really stoked to see the Trues in Edmonton on May 30th, and I'm honored that John Angus took the time to stop by the show to chat. This is a really fun one, so what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Here's John Angus McDonald of the Trues on the Rad Dad Show. John Angus, thanks for joining me on the Rad Dad Show. Um, I'm going to start. Yeah, you bet. I'm going to start the way we always do by asking, who are you? I am. My name is John Angus McDonald. Um, I guess my job title is I play lead guitar and I'm a founding member of a band called The Trues, uh, which has been going strong up here in Canada for just about 20 years. So uh, and I'm also a father of two little boys. Right. So you're busy, but it's been kind of a I guess I kind of always have to ask this question, like what's the last couple of years been like for you as a parent? I mean, you're a touring musician. Mm -hmm. um, So that's kind of ground to a halt a little bit. You've had more time at home with the family. What's that been like for, for you guys? Uh, It was, uh, you know, like it was shocking and strange and unusual and uncomfortable in some ways, like, like, like everybody else, it was, you know, not what we were expecting. Um, And the first time in our career, um, in about 20 years where we were forced to stop, you know, there's always some wheel in motion. There was always a studio session to get to or writing sessions to do or a tour to get on. Um, and there was always just an infrastructure of plans and things we had to work around. And it's just everything just ground to a halt, which was so bizarre at first. It felt almost like a parallel universe or something. Uh, and it, But, you know, it's not to say it wasn't without its silver linings. And, you know, I have an eight-year-old son and a four-year-old son. And um, my four-year-old was two when the pandemic right. began. And when my eight-year-old was two, I mean, I was probably home on an average about half of the year, you know, for most of his time at that age and, you right. know, all the way up until he was six. Um, and with Isaac, you know, I just spent my, my younger son, who's four, I spent the last two years with him all the time. So I think it's gonna be really shocking for him when we head out on tour um, in a couple of weeks here and I'll be away for three straight weeks, which is probably his first time in memory of, of that happening, you know? Right. What's the adjustment for the kids been like now that things are kind of like, so he was two years old, Isaac, he said was two years yeah. old when all this started. Yeah. So I've kind of had two years of being 
inside, not too much, you know, socialization. So I, I totally relate. I've got a three and a half year old. So yeah. similar kind of situation feels like she didn't really, she kind of missed out on a couple of years, really. Yeah. So what's that been like for you guys? Well, it was, it's, it's very real, you know, like what, what these kids and, and kids of every age have missed out on They're They're not going to get it back, they're, but there's ways that, you know, we sort of found a workaround. And as soon as we were able to get, you know, Isaac together with people his age that we knew in our, in our community, in our block at the park or people's backyards, we, we did whatever we could because those are pretty important building blocks, you know, to be For able sure. to, to learn from other little people your age. And um, so we did whatever we could, but all that to say, Isaac um, is much more of a homebody as a result. And he's not as much of a social butterfly as his older brother uh, it's tough to say how much of that was sort of baked in and how much is just a, a function of what he went through in the last couple of years, but it's probably about 50, 50. And, um, you know, so it's, it's funny to see the differences between the two. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad, you know, it certainly feels like we're coming out of that sort of phase. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't love the online learning. I didn't love the amount of screen time we had to kind of endure um, something we kind of try to mitigate even at the best of times. And then to be forced to, to, do all that. I'm kind of glad that's over. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, the screen time thing is a really interesting conversation because prior to the pandemic, like you said, it's like you would kind of do your best. Well, maybe not everybody, but certainly that's what we did. Do our best to limit that to some degree. Yeah. Right. And um, you kind of had no choice at some points, certainly yeah. with online learning. So your older son probably had times when he was. Yeah, he was home. Yeah, all you know, it was like three big chunks of time, in maybe even more than that in Ontario. Like they, they a few times they went back and then they called it off again. Yeah, there was like a lot of big, like he was on the thing from you know morning till afternoon, and you know he would get frustrated and couldn't like feel like he couldn't uh, interject in a proper way because it's weird when it's like twenty kids on a screen, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, it wasn't that wasn't a great experience, and and I, I always found that kids have like a hangover from too much screen time yes. I know it's bad for you that's how i know drinking is bad for me because <laughs> if i have too much i have a hangover that's your body giving you feedback so i feel like even the, my proof of concept that screen time is bad for you is like they have a hangover they're like groggy and they can't concentrate and they feel like shit and they're yeah they're, they're irritable right they're yeah, exactly they're such like a hangover so i was like that's like proof right there that it can't be that good for you that's hilarious i've never heard that before but that's a really good comparison yeah that's so funny so okay so you got yeah you guys are heading back out on tour in a couple of weeks which is amazing you're touring um your new album came out yeah. in november i guess wanderer yeah it's a new record that uh again we had the Omicron wave and that kind of called off. The tour was supposed to be in January, a lot closer to the release of the record. But here we are in May, finally getting it underway. But yeah, the record uh, dropped in late November and now we're just getting out to support it. Yeah, well, I love the record. We'll talk about the record in a little bit. Um, but I want to ask you, this is a Rad Dad show, so I have to ask, do you consider yourself a Rad Dad? <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I, that, that's a tough one. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think your kids think of you as anything but dad, like no yeah. matter what you do. So I feel like, you know, D Elliot in particular grew up on the road and he saw so many shows and we took him on tour in America and he's been over to Europe with us and he's been all across Canada with us. And I don't think he sees what I do as being anything that 
unusual or spectacular or anything. I think only when he got to school and other kids started asking him about my band. Then he'd come home and be like, Daddy, did you write a song called Tired of Waiting or whatever somebody said to him at school? And I'm like, yeah, we did that. And and, and he's like, okay, cool. Like, he doesn't really fixate on it. It's just kind of like, so anyway, roundabout way of saying, I don't know if my kids consider me a rad dad. Um, and I, I certainly don't frame myself in that way to myself either. Well, what do you think? So we asked, like, this is kind of the whole point of the show is to talk about what does, what does it mean to be a rad dad? So it can mean whatever you want it to mean, I guess. Like, I guess to you, that concept of rad dad, or maybe even a good dad, like what, what does that mean to you? Like, what are those kind of qualities of, of a rad dad? I, I just think showing up for your kids with all of your attention and focus as often as you can. And it doesn't have to be all like, I have a weird job where I have to be away a lot, but when I'm home uh, trying to like make sure I'm there for them and, and listening to them and, and it's hard to do. And we all know like the ins and outs of a, a, every day as a parent are can be chaotic and disorganized and it can be nutty and everybody's like got their own moods and their own, you know, but just trying to like be there for them as often as you can and remind yourself how short these years are. Um, I guess that that would be my definition of a, of a rad dad, just showing up for them, listening to them, being there for them, you know, being in the moment, being in the moment's a big one because the days are tough. We all like the, yes. the, the day, the nitty gritty of the day is tough and you get, you know, just to take a breath and stop and remind yourself how special these years are and, and how brief they are. And that if you are there for them, like they'll, they'll have a better sense of like security and safety and they'll feel better about communicating their thoughts and, and all these kinds of things that have like really long-term ripple effects. That's the other thing about parenting is like you're a lot of times you're just winging it and hanging on and trying to make it. And you don't even realize how much impact, like you're going to have an impact on your kids that they'll be unpacking for the rest of their lives. Yes. Oh my and, God. Yeah. And, and in the day to day, you're just trying to get through. And then you think of your own childhood and you're like, well, they didn't really, they were just trying to get through too. And, and you know, so it's like it recontextualizes everything becoming a parent. Yeah. So, well, and you, kind of mentioned earlier about um, time away from your kids, like you have had some experience with that, certainly with your, your older son, I guess your, your younger son, uh, he would have been a baby when, you know, the last time yeah. you were sort of touring. Yeah. Um, what's that experience like? Like, how do you manage that kind of balance of being away from the family and, and stuff? Um, we, well, certainly like, I know I was just disparaging screens, but like, um, Technology has helped a lot to be able to see each other. Um, I grew up with, in a house where my, my dad was away and traveled a lot too. And okay, there was none of that. So it was just like a voice on the other end of the line, maybe every other day. Um, Cause long distance also cost a lot of money back then. But um, you know, that, that helps. Um, we also like the ground rule that my, my wife and I have had since we had kids is um, we try to limit the, the time frame to like three weeks. Like we find that after three weeks, we just start leading completely separate lives. And it's not, it's just like, we don't think about each other as much because I'm so entrenched in this other routine and she's so entrenched in this other routine that like you sort of start to disconnect a little bit. And and, and we don't, to, to avoid that, we try to keep the time window to like three weeks or less. And if it's going to be more, I'll try to bring them out to meet me or I'll try to get back in between. Um, that's just been a good rule of thumb for us. Yeah. Was that something that was tough for, I guess, the band as a whole to kind of adjust to when people in the band started having kids, like, yeah. you know, changing yeah. that schedule up a little bit? 
It changes everything. Um, Jack was the first one, and our bass player had, okay. had his oldest son, Merrick, about uh, two years before I had Elliot. And um, yeah, it, it does change everything. I mean, it changes your considerations, you know, it changes your, your, what you value and what's your priorities. Um, and, but now we're, you know, we have a drummer who has two kids. He had twins during the pandemic. Oh, wow. May of 2020. Yeah, it was wild. He wasn't even allowed to be in the room. It was like the, the, oh man, hyper panic of, uh, of, you know, of COVID. Um, But anyway, now we just, now we have three dads out of like the four principal members of the band who all have kids under, you know, 10 and there's six kids under 10 in between those three dads. So now it's easier. Now we could like when it was just one guy and we were trying to like, you know, one out of four, and we have a, a fifth guy that plays with us too. And when it was just one out of five, it was just harder to like make those compromises all the time. And or it wasn't harder. It just took a lot more coordinating. But now, um, there's so many of us like we just like to jam during school hours like or daycare hours like so like our jams these days are from 10 to 2 if we're getting ready for a tour like it's like uh you know drop the kids to school get them squared away everybody can drive to the space start at at 10 get out of there by 2 you can get back and either pick your kids up or be there for the after school routine um and that's funny because now that there's more parents than there are non-parents it just it works out great yeah that's that's really interesting like i can imagine in the beginning when it's just one person, you kind of got a bit of competing priorities, right? Yeah. But now, yeah, you guys are kind of more on the same page and you can shorten those tours and everybody sort of has the same, yeah, yeah same goal. Everybody wants to take that break now. You yeah. know, it, it's not it's not like we wouldn't like forcibly cancel something that was a good opportunity, but we just try to work around it. So like yeah. there's always some measure of flexibility when you're making these plans, you know? Right. So you, you talked about your priorities changing when you became a dad. What, what else changed for you? Like reflecting back on that, where, I guess you, where, where were you guys in your career? What was happening eight years ago when you became a dad? Like what was that transition like? We had just released our, um, I think it was our fifth or sixth album. Um, it was just the self-titled album called the trues and it, it all, like we made it and Jenny was getting more and more pregnant. We were in the studio and I remember having the baby and like within, a, like within I think it was like three weeks, we had to go to the Juno Awards. Um, and I left Amazing. like, cause he was 10 days late. And I, I thought I'd have like at least a month and it ended up only being like a couple of weeks by the time we were out of the hospital that I had to leave right away. And then that was the first, that was when we, because I had to go out and do a lot of stuff right away, we decided they would just come with us. And we ended up doing like a almost a month-long tour of the States with Jenny and, and me and Elliot just following the bus, like following in our car with the car seat. And like, because, you know, can't really s- subject the rest of the group to a, a howling uh, three-month-old. Right. But, uh, but that's what we did, yeah. Or like, you guys need to be quiet for three hours while the baby sleeps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was a really punishing tour, though, because I you're getting it from both ends. Like you got to stay up late and play your show uh, and unwind and get yeah. back to the hotel. And then you get back to the hotel and you got to be the, the day starting at five thirty or, or six. So yeah, it was pretty punishing on the sleep. Um, you know, that first, that first leg, but you know, something else I got used to, I, I don't really stay up very late anymore. I mean, I will on the road once I get into that routine because I have to, but, uh, at home, I really don't stay up late very much. And I also moved towns. Like I was living in downtown Toronto in a condo. My wife and I got married. 
we lived on Queen West. I've been in Toronto for 10 years. I'm yeah. from Nova Scotia, but I've been in Toronto in the busy parts of downtown for 10 years. And then having a kid had us house hunting and we ended up buying up in Hamilton. So okay. it changed my life. Like you asked me how it changed my life. It changed my life in like a million ways. You know, yeah. I moved towns. I, you know, ch- changed sleep. It changes everything. It's your priorities, changes everything. And so you guys did sort of this tour kind of right after baby was born, which sounds like looking back on it, probably some pretty special memories it was a cool adventure it really was um yeah no and everybody was i mean credit to my band everybody was very cool about it and you know yeah. he would be there at soundcheck and napping with his you know industrial headphones on or whatever it's uh, interesting how babies though like you you kind of depending i shouldn't speak for everybody but you kind of can sometimes get away with like at the very beginning kind of just bringing them wherever yeah you know, so they are pretty portable. It's it's when they start to walk that it becomes like a, everything becomes a much bigger consideration. Like, yes. What can they fall are, off of? And <laughs> yeah, where are the stairs and where are the edges where they can fall and hit their heads and all that stuff? Yeah. So yeah. that all changes it. But but you've it sounds like you've uh, managed to have other opportunities over the years where your your kids and your family kind of join you on tour as well. Yeah, if if we can, if there's a couple. Usually it works out that we'll, there'll be a show and then a couple of days off okay. or a show and then a couple of days off, then another show. And we'll just bring them out for like four or five days. And that way we can enjoy, you know, a bit of the town we're in. And we had a really cool trip uh, right before COVID, which was like made even better, you know, in our memories because of what we went through in COVID. But we were playing a, a gig in the south of Spain and we flew the, we flew them all over and we spent like like basically five days on either end of the show. So we were there for almost two weeks and we were in Portugal and Spain. It was like in the fall of 2019. Uh, And it was just, you know, taking opportunities because they present themselves. And, you know, in light of what happened next, we were very glad we took that adventure. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like you just snuck it in sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. Oh, that's really cool. Um, Did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Um. I guess so. I mean, I, I tried to put myself back in that frame of mind. It's, I don't know if you had this experience, but when I, when we had our kids, it was like, they were always there. And I know this is like the weirdest thing. It was like, it was an inevitable outcome of, of you and your spouse getting together or, you know, partner, like that's what it felt like to me. And I, it felt like, Oh, of course that, you know, and that, I know that sounds really weird and flaky, but that's just the way that I felt. I didn't, but I can't put myself back. I, I think we were, I was worried about how birth would go. Yeah, um, and yeah. We, were, we were pretty anxious about that. And um, we also, he, he was 10 days late. So we were really uptight for those last couple of weeks, not knowing yes. how, how it was going to go. Um, second time was much more relaxed about that stuff. Um, yeah. You're not as worried about the unknown, right? Yeah. I don't think anybody quite prepares you for, people tell you like, Oh, but you're in for a while, you know, they say that kind of, <laughs> stuff, kind of like, kind of like vague stuff, but, yeah. um, you know, I don't think anybody really prepared me for like how little like sleep you get in those first yeah. days, you know, like, in like, maybe it's like for, survival mode. It's survival mode. And, and yeah. there's a real lesson in it because we did have an album coming right at that time. And we had, I had obligations and we, we didn't really do a great job of planning it that first time around. And, like you just, you really have to force yourself to live in the moment. You have two options. You can collapse and like fall apart, or you can really just be like, everything's fine in this exact moment. I can't get overwhelmed by how little sleep I'm running on or, or, you know, if I'll make it to the airport and like, you just have to sort of like really Zen out and be like, this is, this is temporary. I'm, I'm going through this now and I'm not going to like 
get too frazzled by it. Yeah. You know, it's gonna like sort of, again, it's that living in the moment thing where you're like, nothing, nothing's on fire, nobody's sick, everything, like, everything will work out. Yes, you only had an hour and a half of sleep last night, but you'll, you'll get over that, you know? So yeah. it's sort of yeah, that, exactly. that plowing through mentality uh, and I think most people do rise to that challenge. I mean, by and large, you know, which is kind of a, a testament to the human condition, I guess. Yeah. Is that like biological or what is that? Because I, yeah, I agree. It's such a common thread between, you know, you talk to other parents and everybody's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people have that kind of similar experience. You almost have like amnesia about how hard it was, right? Yeah. You kind of like look back and I don't know if, so you have a four-year-old is your youngest, yeah. I don't know if you have this. I'm kind of starting to get this now where I'll see people with a baby and I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of miss that. Yeah. I yeah, remember we, that. <laughs> we live in a very, a very like family oriented uh, neighborhood in Hamilton. So there's a like a park that everybody goes to. And we now when we look around, we're like, oh, no, we're not the young parents anymore. There's like a new crop of like younger parents that we like visibly younger, you know, they're like in their late 20s, you know, yeah. not late 30s, and uh, in my case, 40, you know. Um, so it's just funny to see that cycle through. And then you see their little baby, and you're like, ah, you know, and you do kind of forget what it was like. Um, yeah, we've had our we've had that chat. I don't, I don't know what will come to come of it. but Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, that's always the thing. It's like, I think there is something to that, like, that like amnesia effect where you kind of like forget how tough it is sometimes. Yeah. And that probably does serve a biological purpose or something. Yeah. Like the continuation <laughs> of the species. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, you were, if you were so traumatized by it that you'd never do it again, I don't think we yeah. would have made it this far. Yeah. So fatherhood has obviously been really positive and rewarding for you. What are the, if you had to distill it down, like what are the most rewarding things about being a dad? uh getting to know your kids i mean like uh, what i find really funny is like you i find you might relate to this or maybe some of your listeners can relate to this but like it's not really what you say to your kids like, as you know it's hard to like tell them you know don't you know color on the walls or don't yeah. walk on that part of the curve or like they don't tend to listen to what you say but they do mimic how you are and I think that kid, like a lot of what you, your kids learn from you are just from observing how you are in the world and how you are, how you order through the drive through window. You're going to hear them echo that a little bit. And it's, it's not stuff you're trying to teach them. They're just going to pick it up. And I find that really fascinating to sort of see the stuff that you could know they got from you. And then there's a whole other part of them that you're not sure where it came from. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that part I find really fascinating. And, and to, like each of my boys have their own. Pers unique personality and they're they're really different in so many ways and i find just like you know observing that and like getting to know that to be probably the most rewarding um like enriching part of of it for me yeah kind of seeing that individual individuality uh, yeah develop, right you're getting to know this thing that you technically created you know yeah. but that is autonomous and is it's own, yeah. it's their own their their own person and yeah, you think have, they should be like a mirror image of you. And in some ways they are. Sometimes yeah. some of the bad ways, right? Which yeah, is that's what its I mean. own yeah. thing. Yeah. But in other ways, they yeah, you're like, how did you how did you pick that up? And I think especially, I, I don't know if it was this way for you, but like once they start going to school and stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, you have friends? Like, yeah. How, how do I not know about these friends? Right. I know. I know. They they get their own little clicks and their own little yeah. social social things going on and that to me is fascinating too because now they're in somebody else's world and in somebody else's life and they're having an influence in their own way and 
like how did this happen and how did it happen so quick and and like uh, and i kind of want to be a fly on the wall too all at the same time you know yeah yeah you're like that dad like peeking around the the wall of the school <laughs> watching what they're doing okay, exactly. do you um like it, is music big in your house music is huge in fact i mean it's kind of a funny story that ties into our new record um you know elliot from the time he was two we, we'd catch him playing drums on his lap cool. in, in his car seat like he would just drum along and i could tell he had some rhythm and uh so we got him a drum set like really early when he was two years old and immediately like he could keep a beat he could always find the two and four he had a great sense of rhythm and so he became this kind of unbelievable drummer like i mean for his age unbelievable like we would put stuff up just for our friends on Instagram or something. And people were always like, holy crap, this kid really is good. And uh, so everywhere he went, people wanted him to play. And it was, it was pretty funny. And then we started kind of writing songs together because he grew up in a house where like four or five grown ass men show up at the door, then disappear into the basement or up in the loft where I am now and invent songs for yeah. hours on end. Like that's to him is just what normal adult behavior is. And I don't think he realized that school that might now that's not really normal adult behavior that you know guys just sit around in a circle with guitars and like hum melodies and try beats and try lyrics until something comes of it. And so he's seen this process repeat itself a few times and like then he'd be like, I like your new song, this song, you know. And he'll like he'll cool. you know, then those songs eventually come out in the world and he'll sometimes hear them on the radio. So in his mind, this is just a normal thing that people do. So he then starts writing songs. So he gets behind the drums and he's like, I made up this song. And he'd be like, he'd just play beats. And um, at one point we were, and so I sort of encouraged it and like, you know, like, cool, tell me how, tell me how you want it to go. How should it sound? Like, you know, like try to like get him to like, you know, encourage the behavior of, of songwriting. Yeah. And uh, at one point he said, um, I want to write a song called, I know what it's like to be the enemy. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a pretty sophisticated lyric what do you what is that about he's like oh it's about the bad guys in marvel movies and i was like oh okay <laughs> that's really funny but i loved the line yeah. so i mean i immediately put my own chords and melody to it and that's like the current that single became the song enemy that just record. the video yeah. just came out right i know yeah so it, it it sort of morphed and shifted but it was like it was from going down in the basement with him and uh you know jamming that like that song came about you know that's the reason another song called permission on the new record was just again he's so energetic and like he was like six six years old with this song permission like he would just like bash away and bash away with so much energy like the kind of energy i i forgot about in rock and roll you know yeah. you get more in your head and uh and i was just like trying to match his energy and i wrote i would write all these riffs and i take the riffs to the band and we make songs up i'm like because they would like the riffs so it, it, like in a lot of ways like we became like little songwriting duo you know it was pretty pretty funny that's so cool. So Enemy has like been in my head for the last few days. I've been listening to it on repeat. It's so good. And cool. you kind of, not only did you and your son kind of write that song and come up yeah, with it, but yeah. you're, you kind of take the lead on that song too. Yeah. For the first time, did a lead vocal on a Trues record. Um, it, again, it was a function of like, sort of like, you know, Elliot came up with the line. Yeah. I, I shaped the song and then I demoed the song and I, I, I played everything on the demo because we were all working from home. Um, and then I think it was just kind of a case of demoitis. We just got used to hearing my voice on it yeah. and thought it made the most sense just to have me sing it. Um, it doesn't make a ton of intuitive sense to, to take lead vocals when we have such a good singer in the band, but, um, uh, it's just the way it worked out on that tune. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy with it. Well, it must be special for you too, to have that 
kind of connection to your son on that song and then it kind of be yours? Yeah, given where it came from, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So so tell me about the record too. So, I mean, it came out in November, but it was kind of interrupted by the yeah. pandemic too, right? This is kind of a record that was made over a, a period of time. You weren't expecting it to take that long. No, no. We we'd started it in, again, like the the early winter or late fall of 2019, we went to Nashville and um, we worked with Rich Robinson of the Black Crows, who's an old yeah. friend of the band. And we, we had started this thing with him. We did three songs and we came back to Canada. We did the Christmas thing. And then we went on a little tour and we were planning on uh, coming back in March, in late March of 2020 to do, to kind of finish it. And we all know what happened and that just, yeah never came to pass because the border stayed closed for like almost two years or something. Um, so we just had to like, it took, you know, having all the things canceled, it just took us like three or four months to even conceive of what we could do next, you know? So it wasn't until like August of the, of 2020 that we were even back in the studio. Uh, and that was just because we had to figure out when studios were open and what their capacities were going to be, mm -hmm. and what the rules were going to be. And, it was very odd. So we got on a lot of these kind of Zoom type sessions and we wrote the only silver lining, uh, not the only, There's a, there were several, but one of the silver linings was we had more time to write and you always need more time to write. Um, you, you can always, you're always sort of under the gun with making a record. It's like, you know, you have until September, then you're back in the studio. So we, whatever you have ready, uh, we did get more writing in, which was helpful. And a lot of it was like this and we all had to get up to speed with our tech and our home tech and our, our home studios and yeah. everything else. Um, so that's what we did. And that, and by, by August, we were ready to do three more. We worked with the producer who did our previous record, Civilionaires, a guy named Derek Hoffman, and then retreated and wrote some more. And then by November, we had another fresh batch of tunes. Um, among them was I Want to Play, which was the lead-off yes. single of Wanderer. And we cut that with Eric Ratz, who's sort of a, a well-known Canadian uh, rock producer at his studio. And then we kind of just got that in right before they sort of, you know, shut everything down again at Christmas. So it was all skin of our teeth, like pivoting, making plans, like trying to pull things together last minute, working from home, working remotely, not being in the same room a lot, um, we, we all that stuff. So just the weirdest record we've ever made i mean as far as the process of making it so i want to play clearly has a like pandemic reference like this is a song about the pandemic and like getting back out there your tour coming up is i want to play right yeah. that's the name of the tour yeah um so you guys must be kind of like chomping at the bit to get back out there yeah the song was just like a plead to like like please let's go let's get back you know like we understood everything and why we had to do what we did yeah. and it, it wasn't like a protest song in that way but it was just like that pining for like the release that was just always so available to us and that sort of like connecting with people and being out in the world and like we, we always took it for granted and never thought anybody could take it away from us like you know music has always been a little bit recession proof like sometimes people need music even more you know when times are tough uh, it's like, it's like alcohol stores, you know, they're, it's like people drink when they're happy and they drink when they're sad. They listen to yeah. music when they're happy and they listen to music when they're sad. Uh, we, but we, we're not pandemic proof and we just didn't think we'd live through it. So, yeah. um, so it was just like a, a big, like primal scream to like, you know, let's get back at it. Let's, let's, let's do like, we want to do what we love again. 
Um, so that's that's the way that's where that came from. And it happened because we were writing songs in that late fall period again, where we were supposed to go out and do this holiday train gig that was going to be like 30 shows and it had been canceled in 2020 and it had been moved to 2021 and the day we found out that that was canceled we wrote i want to play which is where the line about the train i want to get on a train in a global pandemic comes yeah from. i was curious about that like what is what was the connection with the train that totally makes sense yeah that was literally the news came and it was like it was like bad news from your manager call number 173 like we've had nothing yeah. every time the phone rang and i saw my manager i'm like more bad news uh, yeah i was one i was wondering like is this how these guys tour do they like get on cp rail and <laughs> head out west no, no it was just because of that particular um that particular gig so we got real specific on that one yeah uh, but yeah it was uh immediately that song felt like like uh, a, a sort of a pandemic anthem to us and we thought we have to lead with it and and we actually thought foolishly we thought it'd be like out of date by the time it came out because it came out in march and we're like well this will be over by march we have and then as soon as we put it out more lockdowns and we're like oh i guess this is like unfortunately very relevant still yeah even still today like you're back out on tour and there's still you know like this thing in and the I back not, of yeah every time because there's still tours getting canceled and stuff but you know we're hell-bent and determined to make it happen i mean as safely as possible but we're all you know taking every precaution to, to make sure we can get you know from from the start to the finish. Yeah, I'm sure tour looks a bit different these days, hey, in terms of some of that stuff? A little less social than it yeah. used to be. A little less uh, meeting and greeting and a little less uh, in-person shaking of hands and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Ripping it hopefully up not, after. Hopefully not yeah. for too much longer because, you know, connecting with people is, is what we do. So we, yeah. you know, we, we, I, I, I don't really love being sequestered, you know, all my, on my own on the bus or anything. I, I like to go out and meet people, but... Uh, for now, we're still taking every precaution. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. I'm super stoked on the new album, and you guys are coming through Edmonton, yes. uh, May 30th, yes. so Midway. So super excited about that. Yeah, the um, new venue. We've never played the Midway. I've been hearing good things, though. Yeah. So I think the Midway, because I I haven't been to Midway either. I think it they just kind of renovated it and stuff like that. But it used to be called the Ranch, I think. Oh, okay. Like a big. Well, I think it was like a country bar, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it makes sense, right? And uh, I've been to a couple things there, like some events and stuff. But it's it's a pretty cool room. So if they kept kind of the same design, it's it's pretty awesome. It's got a good stage and stuff. Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking forward to it. It's been a minute since we made it. Um, we did do something called Together Again in in the summer of two thousand and twenty one. Um, yeah, twenty twenty one. It was like the picnic tables. Did you hear about that? Festival? Yes, I did yeah. hear about that. Yeah. Cool. It was like everything, everybody had to stay at their assigned table. It was, we did a few oddball little gigs that summer, like drive-ins and like no, nothing was a normal show. Uh, but, but we did get to Edmonton and that was the last time. And, and this will be the first time under a sort of normal-ish circumstance. Right, right. Um, family coming with you on your tour at all or are they staying back at home? Not on this one. There's just... Uh, school year is wrapping up and it doesn't come at a great time and actually with the amount of time that you know elliot in particular has spent out of real school he he loves being in school yeah um, my daughter's the same way yeah he loves it and i'm like love it while you love it because you're gonna be a teenager in a blink of an eye and you're probably gonna hate it like all teenagers do yeah uh, so like if, if you're loving it more power to you yeah that's great and you guys can kind of get out there and and stay focused too on what you need to do and yeah and then we lead like 
as soon as we kind of swing out west in a straight line and come back and then once we're back we sort of move into like the weekend warrior schedule where we're doing a lot of flying out on the weekends picking off two shows and flying back and so i'll, I'll be home a lot more and, and we'll probably bring the family all along to to one of those nice well that's awesome dude i really appreciate your time today um new album wanderers out uh go check it out uh for people out there listening or watching um Trues are playing Midway in Edmonton, uh, May 30th. When does the tour kick off? Is it the 24th? 24th, we're at, in Winnipeg at the okay. Birdman's uh, Theatre. And then we head west from there all the way to Vancouver and then make our way back. To, yeah. I think we'll be gone for about just under three weeks. Nice. Well, that's super exciting. Any advice out there for dads listening, maybe for new dads? New dads? Um, you know, well, what we were saying earlier about you know, like just powering through um, th those early months, those are tiring times, but uh, they're also some of the best times in your life and you don't get too bogged down in, in the, uh, the, I don't know, the the newness of it all and the, the tiredness of it all. And, you know, just because you're going to, you will miss it. I mean, I can guarantee you even, you know, every single phase you will miss a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it also does in its own way also get better and better and better because then you're getting to know this person a little more every day and you're watching them come into their personalities and then you have this new relationship in your life which is probably going to be one of the best relationships in your life you know i mean if you're unless you're doing it very wrong um i think you know you have the chance to have the best relationship in your life i mean it's so just, powerful right like there's just something about it that's like you can't even describe what that's like absolutely and and that's the opportunity that's ahead of you as a new parent yeah. um, is to, ha to have this, have the greatest relationship of your life. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, but it's, uh, it's also, it's great, you know. Well, let's end it there. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate your time again. Thanks for being part of the Rad Dad Show. People love hearing um, what other dads have to say. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your experience and your stories. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys on May 30th. Well, thanks, Brett. Looking forward to getting back out there and I hope to see you at the show. Back. all right that was john angus mcdonald on the rad dad show don't forget to give the new album wanderer a listen and make sure to check out the trues on the upcoming i want to play tour if you're in edmonton i hope to see you there come say hi thank you so much john angus for joining us and thank you for listening if you like this episode it would mean so much to us if you drop us a review on itunes or spotify and if you're looking for more rad dad's content find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show, and on Facebook and Twitter at at rad dad show. And hey, you can also head over to YouTube to watch all these interviews as well. Wherever you're watching or listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It helps us so much. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. We actually just had our fifth birthday, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime, and in between time, stay rad.